This is CliffCentral.com. And now we need to get into finance. As I said to you today, big day of finance because Joe Camino is also coming in and he'll be telling you all about your debt and your credit and all the other things that she, you should probably not have in your life. And uh, that's what we do in this show. We bring up speed and everything and we make you live a better, more profitable life. I think that's how it should go. But now is for the full fat feature of Finance with Anthea. So every Monday morning, Anthea sends through her preparations for the show, but the big talking points. i got to say, when Justice Mulata comes in here on a Thursday, he probably sends us about a quarter of what Anthea delivers. Anthea, good morning. Good morning again, Ben. Good morning, yeah. <laughs> you see, if people just listen to this, then you know we started officially again. Oh, right. Okay. So, Anthea, there is a lot to talk about. There is a lot in your plate here again, yeah. Yeah. And I think, so, so markets, it, we're completely out of results reporting season at the moment. So markets are being driven by macro, uh, corporate activity and egotistical politicians, quite frankly. Okay. So and all last, the big fundamentals of the world. <laughs> last week, um, very shaky JSE and global markets. I think it's now official. The trade war has begun, the one that everyone was worried about. I mean, Trump has imposed $34 billion worth of import tariffs on goods from China. China, of course, immediately responded. And guess who else? Russia, for no apparent yep. reason, jumped in on the action. They increased um, tariffs on yellow metals by 25 to 40%. And we saw Barlow World, which I think has about 15% exposure to Russia, mm-hmm. down um, – Three and a half, four percent on Friday. The other interesting thing that's happening about this trade war is that copper seems to be the almost bellwether benchmark go-to if you want to see what's going to happen to commodities. The metal was down a thousand dollars since closing at a four-year high on June the seventh. June the seventh, which is about when these talks of trade wars started. I mean, it is trading or was trading at seven thousand three hundred and thirty-two dollars an ounce, and now six thousand and something. Although, you know, I, I always talk about how global markets impact on South Africa. And on Wednesday was Independence Day. And if you want an indication of what happens when the U.S. is not around trading, volumes traded on Wednesday were down 36%. Local consumer stocks, so kind of your um, your pick and pays, your Woolworths, your uh, any retail consumer stocks, basically, only traded half the average daily volume on Wednesday. You sure this wasn't the World Cup as well, Anthea? Who played on Wednesday? Well, people trade less on World Cup days. (laughs) Um, Maybe. I'll have a look out for that, Ben. I'll do some numbers for you. Um, and then everyone talking about foreigners, everyone's really worried about the number that came out last week, which showed that foreigners sold a net $39.2 billion of South African government bonds in the first six months of the year. I mean, this is the first time this number's been so big going back to the early 2000s. I want to put that in context because actually foreigners still own 40% of South African government bonds, which compared to 2006 when they're barely owning 9% is a lot. So they do still hold on our bonds. bonds. I don't think it's... South Africa specific. I don't think it's because of our fiscal outlook now. You know, if, if it was going to be, they would have sold down all those bonds when we were getting downrated every second week to junk state, closer to junk status. Mm. What does surprise me about this is that I think South African bonds are currently very cheap. Um, so your R186, which is your 
benchmark 10-year South African government bond is trading at 8.7%, and that's off from 9.15% two weeks ago, really indicating that it's a buy. I mean, I, I would say, yeah. Would you buy a government bond? Yes, I would actually, because the one thing the government can do, which your corporate can't do, and I know this is not a great strategy, but they can print money to pay you back if they need to. Oh. Yeah, so government bonds generally are considered safer, and I'm not talking about the Argentinian and Russian debt crisis at the moment, and you know, there's a whole lot of things going on here. Um, Basically, buying a bond, the difference between buying a bond and a share in a company, if you're buying a bond, you're basically loaning someone money and saying to them, okay, well, I will lend you money. And in this case, the South African government, in in this case, at 8.7% per annum. So they will pay you 8.7% per annum. And at the end of the period, they'll give you, hopefully, your capital back. Whereas with shares… There is the risk that the company will go under. Just look what happens, what's happening at Steinoff. Actually, we yeah. should talk about Steinoff. That's what I was going to say. Segways nicely into them. <laughs> because last week, last week when I was here on Monday, we spoke about the fact that they re- released their results on Friday, late on Friday afternoon. So just before the market closed, nobody had a chance to have a look at it, analyze what was going on. And then last week, the share was up like 34% in one day. Um, I think analysts suddenly realized that maybe this company will survive. Anthony, would you have got people that would have gone in low, you know, after the the shit at the fan, December, Jan, around (laughs) Uh, there? Would would people have taken a sneaky little kind of position in that, knowing it's ultimately going to come back? Yeah, such a great story. When this all happened, a week after the the stock started plunging, a friend of mine phoned me and said, I've done the best thing. I bought Steinoff shares at 22 Rand. I was like, what makes you? He was like, it's down 50%. How can it go down further? (laughs) There you go. So, do you know what happens to a share that halves? It can halve again and again and again. (laughs) So, be careful of trying to bottom pick. Sure. But I mean, monkeys. Ben. <laughs> Another stock market saying. But your stock market saying. You still need to have the, that book get released. Yeah, but but still, there's enough in this whole cesspool that is going to kind of maybe bounce back a bit. Because 34%, that's. Okay, so the share going up and down is just an indicate, indication of sentiment and speculation. Okay. And yeah, I would say. These are not good investment words. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's 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 a difficult one to call, quite frankly. Hey, I saw there's a book. I was at Exclusive Books yesterday, and there's already a book out on Steinoff. It was in Afrikaans, so I don't remember the name. Um, but I can't believe someone's actually published already. Was it Die, die Groot Opfok? <laughs> the story of Steinoff. Right. <laughs> yes. From, from small to great and back to small. We also had some uh, macroeconomic data last week. PMI manufacturing data was released. I'm afraid it's not a good sign. Further contractionary um, month. So for May, it was down 1.9 index points to 47.9 compared to um, – sorry, in June, it was down to 47.9 compared to May's 49.8. Um, yeah, this, again, this is really not great, very disappointing, because what you want is an increase in manufacturing to help unemployment. I read a great thing yesterday or in, on the weekend, which said, politicians don't create jobs, entrepreneurs do. Yes, <laughs> so, correct. Yeah, and I'm just going to go with that. 
Politicians create jobs for their families. Maybe you should amend that slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I knew my parents. Honestly, very disappointed in them for not being politicians. Um, and then in company specific news, Anglo Platinum said that they were selling Racimone to RB, Royal Buffer King Platinum, for 1.8 billion rand, which is all very exciting and a huge deal, but. It's pretty much in line with the strategy that Anglo-American, which owns 78% of Anglo-Platinum, said about two years ago that they really wanted to get rid of non-core assets, stick with their core assets, and build on those. I mean, it's taken them a while to do it. And the other thing is that mining companies, other mining companies have suddenly cottoned onto this. But the great thing about Anglo-American is that I think they've executed particularly well. You know, they kind of looked at the commodities, seen where it was going and said, this can't last forever. We're going to get rid of some of our less performing or worse performing assets, which is exactly what they did. And subsequently, their gearing ratio is down to 4.3% from 15.5%. This is when I say gearing ratio. This is like leverage. This is your debt to equity. I mean, their debt to equity ratio is down 75% year on year. Basically, what I'm trying to say when I'm quoting all these crazy numbers is that they're just shoring up their balance sheet and really looking strong at the moment. I I really like Anglo-American at the moment. Okay. And while I'm talking about commodities companies, how are we feeling about this petrol price increase last week? Well, we went into the actual breakdown about where all the money goes in this dodgy, this dodgy pie. And of course, we're all feeling disgruntled. We're mm. feeling like we are, are being taken for a ride. So to speak. <laughs> An expensive ride. It's the I best have... four-letter word I could think of without sounding <laughs> offensive. <laughs> I, um, I have an idea. If you are suffering from the petrol price, I think you should be buying Sassel shares. They're looking very cheap. And with Brent crude at about, what, $76, uh, $77 a barrel at the moment, I think there's still quite a bit in it. So there you go. That's my right. stock pick for the week. Buy Sassel shares. Very good. Um, still staying with mining companies, Glencore hmm, released a SENS on Tuesday saying that they had received a subpoena from the U.S. Department of Justice to produce documents and other records with respect to compliance with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and U.S. money laundering statuses. That's not a great email to get, is it? No, that is really not good. Um, The company's lost $9 billion of its market cap following this announcement or letter from the Department of Justice, really suffering. Then on, I think it was Thursday or Friday, Thursday, they came out saying that they were doing a share buyback. And share buybacks are normally good. Like you want the company to come to you and say, if you don't want to hold on to your shares, we'll buy them back. And they generally tend to offer you a small premium. But I don't know if I want to be earning Glencore shares at this stage. Mm-hmm. Very worrying. Hasn't it been a couple of interesting sort of years for that? Like you, they haven't exactly been going up. It hasn't been showing <laughs> no. a great trajectory. No, and and again, they haven't taken advantage of the commodity bull run, right? So right. it's always a problem. Like South Africa hasn't taken advantage of the global economic upturn. Unfortunately for them, yeah. Um, yeah, commodity. So so commodities are a difficult one, very difficult one to guess because. You don't know where what's going to happen. And with these trade wars, I think everyone's really worried that it'll bring trading economic um, 
inter-country trading kind of to a standstill, not to a standstill, but it will definitely subdue it. And when, when that happens, you'll see lower economic growth um, and lower commodity prices. So. Which is, not, yeah, all bad things, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that, and I've just called Sassel a buy, but the, the difference with uh, these commodities like platinum, gold, silver, copper, is that in Sassel's case, the current oil price is actually not priced into the share price. And in fact, if you go back and do all the numbers, and I'm not going to bore you with all the numbers, but they've got this project in the U.S. called Lake Charles, which basically you're getting for free. Um, and so once they start producing, which they will very shortly, or producing more, um, you're, you're likely to see a run in the Sassel share price. Nice. Um, and then we should talk a bit about banking shares. Two banks in the news. Capitec, the first one, hit the news on Tuesday saying that there was a story that said the Reserve Bank had ordered an investigation into Capitec fees and the fees situation. And you remember Viceroy? Yes. These guys who brought out the Steinoff. This consumer watchdog people that were really pissing people off. They were actually just hedge fund managers yeah. talking their book, quite frankly. <laughs> well, yeah, well said. Um, Anyway, so they they put out a report on Capitec and the Reserve Bank stood up for Capitec and said they're not doing anything wrong. We're checking them. Then the story breaks last week that the Reserve Bank is investigating Capitec's fee structure. Capitec come back and say, well, actually, we know nothing about this investigation. The Reserve Bank deny claims of the investigation. A day later, it is discovered that the Reserve Bank are not investigating Capitec, but they did tell the National Credit Regulator to inv- uh, investigate Capitec. I mean, talk about splitting hairs. Anyway, I'm – yeah, it, it's not a great one because the story with Capitec is that they were rolling loans um, so they would lend you money. If you were unable to repay the loan, they would reinstate that loan and say, don't worry, we'll give you a new loan. Take the money from the new loan to repay the old loan and start repaying the new loan, which you can, which your bank can actually do, mm-hmm. but the limit is three times. And Capitec was very much at that limit. All oh, right. And the problem then is every time they reinstated this new loan, they would charge you. So you know there's loan origination and... Um, Initiation fees and all those nonsense. Processing taxes and fees, yeah. Yes, exactly. And so Capitec were doing that and charging their clients for the new loans every time. So that's what the Reserve Bank really once investigated. I kind of sighed a sigh of relief, to be honest, because my concern, which the Capitec report had pointed out, was that, I mean, the Viceroy report had pointed out, was that Capitec didn't actually have enough reserves. And when a bank doesn't have enough reserves, that's a big issue. And... That's a nice segue into the next bank I want to talk about is VBS, mm-hmm. Mutual Bank. I was bank. about to ask. That's, that's, excuse my lap. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with a four-letter word on that. That's okay. a dog show. Um, so Treasury have had to step in um, and basically guarantee depositors money. So I remember in 2009, I think it was, post the global financial crisis, in the UK, government stepped in for Northern Rock because there was a run on the bank. And they said, if you had money in the bank, because the bank doesn't actually always hold your cash, right? So if you give a bank… Sure. A deposit. They don't sit on it and do nothing with it. Uh-huh. They unlend it to somebody else for a higher interest rate, and that's how they make the money. The, the the difference between what they're lending money out and what they're paying you in interest is how the bank makes their money. Okay. Yeah. 
So they, so if you come back to them and say, well, I want my money today, they're hoping that I've deposited money that they can then give you. Sure. Or, you know, and so the merry-go-round goes. So VBS last week, there was a big drama about people queuing, depositors queuing for their money. And of course, with VBS, there was the initial problem was the liquidity mismatch. So this not having enough money to repay and the fact that the municipalities had deposited all this money. Yesterday, I think it was, or Saturday, in the news, it came out that VBS had actually paid the PIC to lend, to fast track a loan to them and that somehow five million rand has disappeared. I mean, that's like one of, one of many. I mean, yeah, the point is, roundabout way of saying that VBS currently not very stable. People, depositors are queuing for the money, for their money. And the Reserve Bank has gone to National Treasury and said, please can you secure people's deposits for up to a hundred thousand rand. They had previously done it for fifty thousand rand. It's now a hundred thousand rand. So if you are deposited with VBS, at least know that up to a hundred thousand rand of your money is safe. Who, okay, I was going to ask, but you mentioned quite a lot of money, so it must be people with money that would have. No, it's actually your ordinary bankers. Really? So, so the, the, so the, the big issue are the municipalities who were not supposed to be depositing their money there. Sure. But they also do take retail money. So people like you and me, they okay. will happily take our money. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Wow. Uh, I mean, those are the people that the banks are worried about, that, that the reserve banks are worried sure. about. Yeah. Because if, if basically VBS doesn't have money to repay anyone. Yeah. All right. Anthony, does that bring us a close to what we need to know about the finance? Yeah, that's pretty much it. One last thing, maybe, that the U.S. added 213,000 oh, jobs last month. Damn this Trump, what an evil prick. <laughs> yeah, the unemployment rate rose, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was up from 3.8% to 4%. <laughs> and there's us with our wider unemployment rates of 37%, I believe. But with a much smaller population. Yes. But yeah. percentage of. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's Anthea's Money Shop for this week. You can catch all her features on the cliffcentral.com website. Anthea, have you had a prosperous week? Oh, thank you. That's the best thing you could uh, wish me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, use the line again. Easy win. This is cliffcentral.com.